Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight are John, Shane, and Liam. How you doing, John? I'm good, Jared. I'm doing good. Um, it's been a wee little while, just saying off pod since I've been on, so I'm glad to be back. I've been um, enjoying the new TV show, The Last of Us. I don't know if everybody's been watching that, but it used to be like one of my favourite games when I was a kid, so it's good to... It's good that everybody's enjoying it now, and it seems to be one of the best shows on HBO. So, yeah, it's good. I'm looking forward to every Monday. I haven't even started that. Might have to put on the list. Absolutely. And how are you, Shane? I just saw you rocking out while the intro music was playing. What's going on with you, mate? <laughs> it, it, you can't help but get fired up when that intro kicks in. Like, even Sean's uh, verbal remix of it just gets you fired up every time. <laughs> uh, but no, going well, mate. Um, look, not much other than just usual kind of work and routine. But uh, I um, I never got around to ordering the uh, away kit for this season. Um I didn't. I didn't put in an order for it at the time. I thought I'll go without it, and um, I saw so many people rocking it in Sydney. It just looked excellent, so I had to get on board and order it. That actually sold out by the time I'd looked at it. Um, fortunately, it came back in recently, so I jumped straight on, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't think it'd arrive so quickly, but I got a knock at the door today, and uh, there it was, in all its glory. Um, and it's just a, it's a cracking looking kit. It's definitely one that I really like, and I rate really highly. And I don't think that's just. Um, new season bias so I'm, I'm very excited by that little delivery today and there's definitely no points or prizes for guessing whose name and numbers on the back kind of funny <laughs> though because like that top you were saying that you saw heaps in sydney my plan was all right i won't order it i'll wait till sydney super cups on and i'll pick it up there no <laughs> no chance gone in about three hours all of them sold out so i wasn't even in town before they sold out so there you go so yes yeah, to really get on an order mine as well but how you doing liam Good, good. Uh, before anybody starts whinging, I'm wearing a green shirt today by request. So, uh, <laughs> aye. Uh, apparently, uh, you know, uh, people, some people take exception to me wearing a blue shirt the other day on a stream I was doing, and I really, you know, don't get it. But uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I can see a little bit of blue there, Liam. Just uh, the horns. Uh, uh, just a little bit too much. That's uh, Turn your computer off. Yeah. Your feed off, go change your top, come back. Uh, you're uh, in the comments. Liam doing dress ups. That went well. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll get on with it. So, um, yep. yeah, just thanks everyone for tuning in as per usual. Really appreciate those who jump on for the live stream on our YouTube channel and also each and every one of you who listen to the, um, the South Down Under podcast via your podcast app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music. Pretty much every podcast app there is out there. Uh, if you can, leave us a review. Helps with getting us promoted in the algorithm. Like if people listen to one Celtic podcast, and like, oh, I wouldn't want another one. And then suddenly, boom, we are there. And they click on us and off they go. So it helps grow our podcast. So we really appreciate all your support. If you feel like being super awesome, when this is on YouTube over, grab it, share it to all the Facebook groups out there, the YouTube video, share it, literally in, share it out there. Get it out there because, you know, soak down under, it's growing. There's some exciting news. Things are happening. Watch this space. We'll be dropping a bit of intel on that a bit later on in the podcast. So we've got a um, couple of games to review. One that was feels like it was bloody ages ago and it was, you know, happened in the last week, Celtic 3, Livingston nil. So we'll crack into that one quickly. 
Um, I don't remember too much. I was watch, re-watched the highlights, but Taylor with his goal, Maeda's goal, Kyogo's goal in extra time, and then was a damn squid in the second half. What was your thoughts on that game, John? Yeah, I mean, that, that kind of sums it up, to be honest. Um, the, it was complete domination from us. Um, but the second half was obviously... We, I wouldn't say take the foot off the pedal or anything like that, but it just it just didn't work out. We never scored any more goals, but it was all over in the first half. Um, I thought... Uh, I mean, Maeda's goal was fortunate, but he was he was just there in the right the right place. So it's, it's one of those ones where it was, he created that luck rather than, you know, it was completely out of misfortune or, or, you know, rebounds or anything like that. He was there. He rebounded. He scored it. That's what you want. Um, Kyogo's goal was extremely well worked. It was a really good ball over the top and stuff. And, and he, and he took it very well. I, I think for me though, the, the, the um, goal that I really wanted to focus on was Taylor's and not so much because it was an absolute pelter and it was because it, it was a, a great goal the fact that he was down he, he was down and he got straight back up and he received the ball again that's what made the goal that's the tenacity that we want to see that's the Ange effect right it's you look at any other league in it or any other team to be honest and players are down they're rolling about they're you know screaming at the ref or I'm injured or I've been fouled or blah 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 Taylor went down, he got straight back up and he scored a goal. And that's and that's really what you wanted to see, to be honest. And look, Livingston is a good side and they're doing well this season. And at the moment. Exactly. They they are they're not mugs and um they've been our bogeyman, so to speak, for the you know, a couple of seasons ago. And that was recently sort of um that sort of duck was was burst and stuff. But you know, it it was a game that you were I wouldn't say apprehensive with, but that's the that was from the first goal, that type of tenacity is what you wanted to see and it really sort of set the mood and, and then we just sort of dominated and you made the point about the second half but I think it was kind of over in the first so yeah really good win for me and Shane what was your thoughts well I um I watched sort of the games out of order I didn't actually get to watch this at the time so I've I've watched this in the last 24 or 48 hours or so so it's actually quite fresh in my mind uh the St Johnson one for me might be a little bit more hazy so I've gone I've gone back to front here but I'm quite bullish about this result and performance, and I think John touched on the reason why at the end. Um, we know the way Livy play. We know the way Livy set up. We know the way Martindale has his teams uh, put out on the park just to um, defend that low block. And, you know, as John also said, you know, at times we've kind of struggled to break down Livingston. We put three past them in the first half. The game was over at half time. We, I don't think we've done that to Livy for a long time, Not uh, particularly not with Ange in charge. Uh, we just looked on from that first whistle. Um, and it, I know we move the ball quite quickly normally. It's part of what we do. But it just felt like there was an added emphasis to really go. There was no kind of pause and wait for something to, to open up. It was actually go and make something happen. Um, I thought we were tremendous. I, and we might have tapered off a little bit in the second half, but... Um, even so, there were still some some guilt edge cha- uh, chances that we missed. Um, I was going to say chances, and it sounded really posh, but thought I'd re- reel it back in. Um, there was a couple <laughs> of guilt edge chances that we we missed. It could have been five or six nil. Really, we really could have put them to the sword. But despite that, I, like I'm really pleased with how the uh, how the team performed in that first half. I thought I thought they were excellent. I thought that third goal. Uh, was the pick of the goals. Uh, just that ball over the top from O'Reilly was perfect. 
and uh, and agree with the comments about Maeda as well. I actually thought he was the best player on the park. That first half, he was tremendous getting up and down the left, um, working so well with Taylor. Um, is it Devlin for Livingston? He's going to be having nightmares about Maeda for a long time. He gave him a torrid time and he was excellent. So was uh, uh, so was Taylor. And I thought Hitata had a very good game as well. Uh, I know there's been a little bit of chatter about him, but I thought he was still very good. So, yeah, overall, very bullish about that performance. Um, I thought it was excellent. Yeah, just Andrew in the comments are saying Maeda gets the rewards he deserves. Well, he got himself into the position. Yeah, it wasn't anything special. wasn't a pretty goal, but you got to get in the position to put it in the net. So, And then he's also, Andrew's also put up a comment here saying, park the bus against us doesn't work anymore. And we've shown that with the mentality. It doesn't matter if our team sit deep and they do it for 40, 50, 60 minutes, we'll keep going. So, yeah, Liam, we'll throw to you. What was your take on the game? Yeah, it was a very thoroughly professional performance. Um, you know, Livingston are a well-organised team. They're a well-drilled team. They're a tenacious team. And, uh, um, well, to, uh, to 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 paraphrase the, uh, the the guy the show is named after today, we managed to put them away early. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But that was it. Job done by half-time. And the second half was essentially a training exercise because they were on damage limitation. And the game was won for us. So why, you know, why exert ourselves needlessly when we're well ahead? Um, it's, a, you know, it is a shame for the the fans because, you know, that that's also something that played out over the St. Johnson game as well. I think that second half is less of a spectacle to watch. But at the end of the day, that is, that's as much the other team's fault as it is Celtics because they're, they're happy to only lose three or four but you know, by three or four goals, um, that speaks to how good we are at the moment, and it speaks to the form that we're in. And uh, I wonder if uh, David Martindale regret regrets kind of poking the bear a wee bit before the before the game last week. I believe he would, and we've got some comments here about Martindale. So we'll go to Liam O'Connor down in Tassie. Livingston's manager David Martindale tonight joked that he wanted to call a taxi to get him out of Parkhead after his team fell three 0 behind a rampant Celtic at half time. <laughs> And Sean, who's not on tonight because he's uh, working still, you'll love this one. Martindale's defence is really good. He's great at setting up a line. (laughs) Steady, steady. Had had to wait for Liam to get that one. (laughs) Bit of a a slow bundle, that one, unless you're using a spoon. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um... (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> so um yeah so overall in that game who would have been your your best players I can't remember I think Maeda would have been it for me that's pretty much a standout guy um yeah anyone else think different well I just said I just said Taylor just for setting the pace personally but um yeah there was a lot there was a lot of big players in that game as well I thought a lot of the subs that came on played very well as well Nothing wrong with that, Johnny. You can say that it was Taylor. Don't mm. don't feel like you know you're gonna get booed or whatever here. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, last week I was commenting on um, because Liam suggested Maeda would come in, and I thought well, maybe they might go with Haxabanovich instead. Um, and you could they put Maeda in instead and just worked a treat. Like he he just continued that rich vein of form he's in. He he was tremendous, and it's not just the fact that he constantly. Um, 
keeps going or is tracking back. But look at what he's doing when he gets the ball. Look at his involvement. The amount of times he's flashing these great balls across the box, he just needs someone to nod it in. He's, it just his form that he's had from the World Cup, he just keeps getting better. And I thought he was exceptional. And Taylor was still very good. And normally I'd probably have Taylor as man of the match on that performance, but Maeda was just tremendous. Well, just for shits and giggles, I decided to have a look at the Google rankings, you know, when you go into the game on there, and it gives you the star rating out of five. So for us, you had our worst player in the starting lineup was Matt O'Reilly and Joe Hart with 4.1, and Johnson had 4.1. And then, sorry, I skipped one, old mate Starfelt had four. Then the other guys were 4.1. And then um, Carter Vickers... And McGregor and Jota all 4.3 out of 5. Taylor at 4.4. And then Hatate, Furuhashi, Maeda all on 4.5. Would that be the crazy Japanese fans just going absolutely wild on their Liam? <laughs> we all know they love, it. They love their, their, their support their guys. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's definitely a – Maeda was the standout for me as well, though. I really think um, he's just uh, – he's come on to uh, such a great – a great run of form since the World Cup, and he's just doing well. He's doing what I knew he could do, and it's great to finally see it playing out. And yes, I am going to be a bit smug about it and say I told you so <laughs> because I've I did multiple times before we even signed him. So there you go. Yeah. So before we crack into the next game, I'm just going to bring up Michael Ross's comment for you, Liam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank God Liam's not wearing that hideous, revolting, vile top. No, I'm wearing a whole different hideous revolting top today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. Uh, good, good, yeah. good for two things: goalkeeping and stopping traffic at 100 meters. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that top's good for. If you happen to have a, um, a one of the uh, Sevco tops, they're good for two things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what can you ask with? And yeah. throwing in the toilet bowl. <laughs> uh, careful though, because you know, that, 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 knowing that the kind of materials are made of, they probably don't flush very well. Because I imagine they're not going to be biodegradable. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, you know, if, if you've got a choice, what would be more embarrassing? Telling someone you've got an enormous jobby block in your toilet or a bloody ranger top? <laughs> <laughs> So here we go, Liam. We'll go on. So Liam down in Tassie's like, looks like the top is a spanner looking for a screw loose. <laughs> <laughs> and then Andrew oh, commented, what's the top today, Liam? So fill him in. Right. Well, today's top is the 1997 Japan goalkeeper shirt. Um, strangely enough, Japan wore the same um, template of shirt with two different colors, but actually by two different kit sponsors so the adidas one which i'm wearing was was is, is green with uh, accents of uh, red blue and orange flames um less emphasis on the blue and orange thank you very much um and the uh, the other one which is probably the more famous one they wore at the world cup was the same pattern but was mostly black with orange and red flames but that was actually made by uh, asics as opposed to adidas so I think because Japan had a contract for the qualifiers, which was Adidas, but then it had a different contract for if they qualified for the World Cup, which was ASICS. So 
Um, bit of unusual kit history there for you. And here's a comment just for Michael Ross in response. I'd rather be a jobby <laughs> than a hun. Yep. There we go. We'll leave yep. that one where it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you all just read the comments. That's <laughs> Uh, anyway, we'll um, crack on. So, Celtic Force and Johnson won. Andy Considine. <laughs> All I have to say is, could you have wanted, or not wanted, could, he, could you have had a worse situation happen for his 600th club game of his career? Like, an own goal, the second goal goes through his legs. There's a third one where... He's played a guy on side and was lucky we missed it, and then he gets a red card. It's a dunce's hat trick, isn't it? An own goal, a set-up, <laughs> and a red card. That's almost like the perfect hat trick, you know, left-right with your head. That's the, uh, defender, yeah. that's the defender's dunce hat trick. Yep, there it is. <laughs> yeah, so we had Considine score in the 13th minute, Kyogo in the 22nd, uh, was it? Dre Wright or whatever is however you say his name. I don't know if it's Dre or Drew, whatever. His one was an absolute worldie. Moy in the 38th minute and then Turnbull, the nice little set piece off the back of the red card later on in the game. So, Shane, thoughts on the game? Yeah, look, when I was watching it and um, initially I was probably a bit too critical in the first half in a sense that I didn't – I made the comment at the time that I didn't think we were playing well but we'd still uh, – you know, done enough to get, uh, you know, uh, go three up at half time. But in hindsight and looking at the state of that pitch, I feel I feel that was a little bit unfair. Um, the pitch contributed significantly to us not having our, I guess, our kind of usual zip and ball movement, but we were still very good upon reflection. So I think that was pretty harsh on me. Um, it, was a, it was a good first half. There was a bit of similarity to the Livingston game in a sense that we really worked hard to kind of get ourselves uh, out of sight by half time, which it did feel that way. Um, I thought uh, the first goal, even though it, was an, it would go down as a known goal, was a lovely bit of interplay. And uh, it was a great, well-worked goal. Same with the third as well for Moy. Um just a lovely bit of build-up play between Jota and Kyogo and then Moy with an, just an exquisite finish uh, to chip the goalkeeper uh, so nonchalantly. Um, look, I thought it was a good performance overall. I think second half, maybe we um, you know, we weren't at the same level. Um, I don't think there were many chances in the second half. Um, Turnbull's really the only one. Obada had a couple that he um, kind of spurned, but... Um, you know, again, echoing Leo's, uh, Liam's comments, sorry, from uh, the Livingston game, we we didn't really have to. I think we'd had the game under control by then and it was seeing it out. Um, and, and I thought it, probably two things that stick in my mind. Um, I thought we were quite clinical, which is something we've we've rude a bit on uh, previous podcasts about sort of not putting away chances. I thought we were quite clinical, particularly in that first half. It felt like every time we, we sort of bore down on goal that we actually either uh, got them to, or produced a save from the keeper or we scored. Like, we look like we we're going to score. I, I just Shane, don't recall just, anything. Just jump in here um, for a second off what you're sure. saying. Yep. You're saying we looked clinical. We had 12 shot attempts for the game, four on target, four goals. There's your clinicalness right there. Bang there you on. go. This, this is why I need the stats to back me up. I don't have them on my phone over here. So I could be talking absolute rubbish and, and not getting away with it. But 
Jared looking out for me. Appreciate it. Got your back. <laughs> Always got my back. And I just I'll say very quickly uh, that I want to apologize to uh, to Aaron Moy. So Sean last week asked me if he was the best player in Scotland, and I was pretty uh, uh, ambiguous in my answer and uh, didn't really commit properly. And uh, I'm so wrong. He is clearly the best player in Scotland at the moment. And um, Aaron, apologies. He's getting back to his Huddersfield levels of play. That's what I'm saying. Like when he plays for Australia, he plays in that number six role. He plays deep, and for us, he doesn't. Now that Kelmax back in, and we've got a Wada there as well, he doesn't need to worry about playing that position. So he's now mm. we're playing with like two eights at the moment. So he's able to push forward. Like if Hatade is holding, he'll push forward, or vice versa. So he'll just like level it out. So by doing that, it's actually working really well, and yeah. it's allowing him to play his natural game and get back. And also, he's fit now. Like he hadn't played football. When we signed him, he hadn't played football since this time last year. So we signed yeah. him, had that layoff. So it's like he's fit, he's up and about. And yeah, it's um it's still very awkward to see in interviews and stuff like that, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quiet guy. That's what it is. But yeah, look for me looking at the game, like there was a couple of things I wanted to point out was you you mentioned Shane about the interplay for the build-up on the first goal and the third goal. I thought the second goal were a lot – I like the directness involved in that, how quickly we were, get it up the side, get it in for Kyogo to score that one. So, again, that was the interplay between basically our midfield forward the whole game to be playing on a goat track like that where the commentators mentioned on three or four occasions that, oh, if you're going to play one-touch football on this pitch, it's, um, it's risky football. And then there's Joe Hart. Ball comes back to him. One touch. There's Carter Vickers. One touch. There's staff out. One touch. Everyone's trying to play one touch football on that sort of pitch where there's a bobble in it. The inter like that. And then the speed and the the speed of mind. And the other thing I also liked was the the pressing. Like I noticed more in particular in this game than any other game this season that if we were pressing up and a guy got beat, instead of sitting back and keeping our shape. Starfelt was pushing up to like pressure the guy getting the ball and Taylor was tucking in to cover him to allow him to jam the middle. And then Maeda was dropping back a little bit more to cover out left so Taylor could cover in. And then as soon as the ball was turned or passed backwards, then Starfelt came back, Taylor slid out, Maeda went in so they were working and covering for each other. So that off the ball, we could even press at the centre backs and cover each other. It was really great to see. So... Liam O'Connor in the comments is saying the interplay across the players leading. I understand what you're saying there. Kind of um, doesn't read very well that comment, but I get what you're saying. Like the interplay was was right, but it was good to see. But Liam, you got any thoughts on the game? And then John, you can jump off the back of that. Yeah, I, I think it was uh, looking back on the two of them. It was a very similar setup to the Livingston game, whereas um job essentially done by half time added a, a classy goal in, in the second half as well um, some good you know got some more minutes for uh, uh, new signings um, yeah just a good good day at the office all round and that my goal is a, is a goal of the season contender not just for the finish but the build up to it was, was beautiful um, yeah it really um, it was a thoroughly a thoroughly entertaining game um, not quite as entertaining as the comment section on the live stream that I was doing on it, but even so, uh, yeah, no, it was a 
it was fun. It was a really good game to watch. And I even, you know, yes, the pace did drop in the second half, but every time we got the ball, we looked like we could score. Um, and, you know, Ange has got that belief in the Celtic team now. He's got us all thinking that every time we get that ball, we're going to put it in the net. And quite often we do. I mean, those stats you round off, that's a 33% success rate for every shot and goal we had in the game. Which uh, I'll take that any day of the week. Decent conversion rate, considering most strikers, they want to be 15, 20% conversion rate over the course of a season to be as a team doing 33% in that game. And I just checked the game against um, the two, the game previous as well. And yeah, it was like 20% in, 25% in that game. So still above average. So it's good to see. Now, before we come to you, John, Shane, I'm giving you the pl- the floor right now. We've got our new Celtic Down Under WhatsApp group going on. That was going off. You told you told Sean to cash out. It almost didn't happen. <laughs> do, you, do you need to say anything about that cash out on his bet that he had going, or are you happy? Uh, told you so. Yeah, I told you so, but <laughs> I'm glad he didn't cash out when I told him to, put it that way. He uh, He... I'm glad he listened in the end, um, but he if he'd cashed out when because uh, I'm a terrible gambler. If he cashed out when I when I told him to, he would have missed out on some uh, some funds. So uh, credit to you, Sean. Well played. I'm glad you took it on board my advice. <laughs> and Johnny, was your take on the game overall? <laughs> yeah, look, no, everybody has very much said what I thought as well. Um, pitch was a state. Moy's goal was amazing. We dominated. Really, really, really good interplay. Um, but something we haven't talked about is, and credit where credit's due, but Wright's goal was phenomenal. That was a little bit special. Just outside of the boot at what, like 30 yards, 25 yards to the outside post. It was a very good shot. Um, I, and I think the commentators saying that Hart should have got that were uh, think, thinking he was a Superman or something because that was... Certainly not going to happen. That was uh, come out of nowhere. But yeah, hey John, just for a second, like the two arguments you saw on Twitter the day after the game was, oh, um, Hatade gave the ball away really, really easy there. True, and Joe Hart should have got to it. But when you look at it, Hatade's trying to beat two players. So who's giving him an outlet to pass to? He didn't have that. He lost the ball. It happens mm. so many times in a football match. I'm not going to. I'm not going to chew him out and abuse him over that because of all the good he's done for us. But then Joe Hart, you look at it, and from straight on, you're like, yeah, he probably should have got to that. But then when you see the reverse angle, mm. he's unsighted because what's happened is as the ball's coming in, Carter Vickers lunges at it, blocks his view, and then the ball comes past. So he's probably thought, oh, Carter Vickers has got that or whatever, or he's unsure where, exactly where the ball is. So he's tried, but he's misjudged it. It's... At the end of the day, Liam mentioned earlier about goal of the goal of the year contender with Moy's goal. Well, we talk about goal of the season contenders pretty much once a once a, every three or four weeks on this podcast in our games. That one's going to be right up there too. Got to be surely. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. And, and 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 I think I think more. <laughs> I think if we're going to analyze the events, I think uh, Wright has taken a shot. <laughs> and not expected it to go anywhere near the back of the net. 
because it was one of those ones where they weren't really pressing, they weren't really getting opportunities at that point, um, and just sort of, you know, got the ball in a sort of area. He hit it. He didn't expect it to go in, and it did. But it was, uh, it was, you know, he, it still took the skill, and it was a good goal. It was visually pleasing to watch. But um, it's not nice. It was obviously against you, but these things happen. We still won the game. Um, but I, I thought it was worth mentioning that now and again, the other teams actually do score. Good goals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was the first goal we've considered in the league in like six games. So uh, yeah, no, it, yeah, and it's a good way to, I guess, lose that um, run. It had to be a special goal to break yeah. it. Didn't um, didn't Sean call that last week? He said we would lose our uh, our clean sheet streak against St Johnson. I yeah, let's not, let's not pick him up too much, everyone. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you talk about just, me just... like this when I'm not on. <laughs> Just to defend the defend Joe Hart a wee bit from the goalkeeper's perspective, right? If you watch the replays, he dives full length, he gets a solid hand on the shot, and it still goes in the net, right? My opinion, as you know, a, a very very low level goalkeeper myself when I was younger, um, if you get a, a full hand on a shot, but the sheer power still takes it in the net, there's not much else you can do. Um, Joe Hart would need to have got even if he'd get two hands on that he still might not have kept it out mm. so it was just a moving. very powerful shot and it's moving away from the keeper yeah. at the same time yeah. nah the, 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 the keeper is not at fault there at all in my opinion nah, not at all and that's the, that's what you get from the behind angle shot of the goal you quite clearly see it swerve like you might look yeah. I looked at it front on I thought oh that's a tough shot to save you see it from the behind goal footage and you're like Wow, he's done awesome just to get anywhere near that. That's just a cracking finish. You just got to tip your hat and say that's a wonderful goal. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just reading the comments. Sorry, lads. Sean <laughs> in the comments predicted the lineup bang on two. Keep oh. picking me up, lads. Oh, geez. He's not going to fit on the screen next week on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but, but, big. There's a singularity yeah. forming on the horizon. I think it's Sean's ego. Oh, dear. You're going to need a second camera. You're going to have, like, instead of having John and Shane at the top, you'll have Sean on one side and his ego on the other. <laughs> That's all right. Um, I can help out with this. Just remember, Sean, go the Eagles. <laughs> Oh, well, too far. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right. What we'll do is we'll leave the, the review of the games there. We've been, you know, banging on for a little bit, but we'll go through some of the comments here quickly. So we'll go Liam from Tassie. Oh, no, he got sent off for a hug. Love a good pun. That's why it had to be brought up. Uh, then we've got here Andrew Galea's comment is, and Andrew's Celtic squad is taking shape now, 100% Andrew's squad. I think it will be once McCarthy's out the door. That's the last one that I don't think was an end signing that's still there. But, yeah, happy with the squad. And when he's that far down the depth chart, it doesn't matter anyway. Um, I know I know, we sort of just finished our review of the game, but I might just circle back really quickly. It'd be remiss of me not to comment on Kyogo, who I thought had a tremendous game against St. Johnston. And I think his form recently has really improved. He seems to be getting a lot more involved. He... He obviously does a lot of the things that we, we don't normally see on camera with the maybe the pressure and the pressing, or sometimes we do get to see it. But I, I thought he was tremendous against St. Johnston. He worked his socks off. He was involved in everything. And, um, yeah, he I probably had Moy shading him for man of the match, but Kyogo was a very close second. And um, it's good to see him back and involved like that. He's definitely lifted. Vanessa in the comments, Kyogo playing really well at the moment, 100%. 
when he played half a season last year and, you know, had 20 odd, 19, 20 goals or whatever, and he's already beaten it. He's on track for 30, 35 with the way he's going at the moment. So, um, yeah, more of the same. He's just perfect player for the Ange system, the way he wants his playing with the press, the work rate, everything. But I'll, I'll tie that in there because if he's if he does that many goals and he keeps playing the way he is, he's going to be a contender for player of the year. But then Michael Ross's comment is, Moyes form made DPP realizes he could win player of the season and needs to make a speech. <laughs> in, that, in that situation as well. Fair point, Michael. Fair point. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's got to so, be the quietest Australian I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Tom Rogic. What, what, are you, wow. what are you saying about us, mate? Yeah. <laughs> You're not quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll crack on to the next topic. So, Face it, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shakes always come out lumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. BlendJet 2 is portable... So you can make a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita at the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cable. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water and a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, there's a Blendjet 2 to complement just about any style. So what are you waiting for? Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code CELTIC12 to get 12% off your order and a free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. The question that was asked in our group chat, so we've added that in here. So John Hartson thinks we need to scrap VAR. Is he right? So I will throw to you, Shane. I've got my opinion, so you say yours, and then we'll go around, and then I'll I'll wrap it up with my my response. So, what do you reckon, Shane? Yes, Bennett, thanks for coming to my TED talk. That no, seriously, that that's all I really have. Like I I've totally gone completely against the system. It's 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 just not working, and I'm not convinced that uh, you, you can talk. I I get the comments about people saying it's the people behind it. It's the people behind it. That only stretches so far. Eventually, you just go, well, regardless, it's not working. I think when something's not working like that, you've got to get rid of it when it's as such, when it's not working to such a degree. So I'm pretty much, it's got to go and, and get it into the bin as soon as you can. So in all ways, I agree with, with John Hartson. Liam? I am going to completely disagree with that um, because here's the thing. If you bin it, you're letting them off the hook. Um, I think that the referees are purposefully trying to run this into the ground 
knowing that they're going to get reactions like we got from John Hartson. Um, because they're going to say, this this is stupid, it's a waste of time, it's an embarrassment, because at the moment, it is. But it's entirely because, one, the SFA have tried to do it on the cheap by not getting the latest VAR technology, instead getting technology that was used years ago. Uh, two, not staffing it adequately by still refusing to vet and employ proper full-time officials to manage it. And third, you also have just the general idea that referees in Scotland are terrified of any kind of independent scrutiny, which is why they too are desperate for this to go away. And like I've said, I've used the analogy several times. I'm repeating myself again. It is like the bratty teenager that doesn't want to tidy their room. So they do it really, really badly, so eventually their mum just says, oh, forget it, I'll do it myself. And that is the stage that a lot of football fans are getting to now. They're like, do you know what, just scrap this. It was better before. We always knew the referees were at it, but now it's not even, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. Now, the problem is the people running it. And I realise that that's a bit of a cop-out, because that, that's exactly what Shane said, is it's easy to say what's the people running it. But it's a mixture of the people running it, the lack of investment, and the fact that we're using outdated technology because we tried to do it on the cheap. So we, if it means that Celtic need to dip into their pockets a wee bit more to get this done properly, um, then, you know, so be it. I would happily sacrifice, uh, you know, an extra couple of million quid a year from our budget if it meant that this was being run fully independently, properly, and with the appropriate level of oversight, which is just the, the basic standard in most other countries. I mean, I raised the point last week, I can't remember if it was here or on Axon, but I raised the point where, why is it that I watch J-League football every week and I couldn't name one referee in Japan? Wouldn't know him if he walked by me in the street. I know about a dozen referees' names in Scotland and I know what they look like. Why is that? Because the referees are trying to be the centre of attention. They're making themselves the centre of attention through a mixture of arrogance and incompetence. And VAR has only magnified that. To me, getting rid of VAR doesn't cure the problem. It just, it's like sticking a, it's like, it's like putting a, a sticking plaster on a bullet wound. You're going to temporarily cover up the issue, but it's, it's going to be back before you know it, and it's going to be a lot worse. You just took anyway. my analogy there, Liam. You said uh, you can pass it on a ball, and I was going to say it's like putting a Band-Aid on something that needs stitches, but yeah. Yeah. We'll throw it to John now. What's his opinion? Um, well, I, I effectively um, agree with Liam. I, 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 I think VAR has a place. On principle, on paper, I think VAR is what we need. I think what's what football needs as a sport. I think uh, when you were talking about independent referees, it reminded me that oh, this is kind of a leap, but every solar farm in Scotland is run entirely by German engineers. So all the signals are sent to Germany and everything's organised in, Ger in Germany and then it tells the Scottish... Uh, no, did I say solar farms? I meant the feckin' wind farms. And it tells all the things to move. You could do, you could easily do something similar where you could beam. It doesn't have to be Scottish refs that are doing the VR. It could be another FA, whatever. 
I don't know about the legality of that, but it could happen. Anyway, um, I I think the reason why I want VR is simply because I think uh, the biomechanics of and sports science of football is at, is at such a velocity rate that our athletes are going to get more and more um, fit. They're going to get faster. They're going to get stronger. And I, I just don't think our refs and our linesmen have that availability. I think they're going to continuously getting slower. They're always going to fall behind. And if we go back to some of the stuff that I talk about with like the grassroots, it is unbelievably difficult to convince anyone at the lowest level of Scottish football to be a ref. It's just, it's so hard because you are getting screamed at meters away from you. You, you, you hear everything that, you know, the, the small grounds in Scotland, they're right up against the pitch. You hear everything, you're getting pelters in the car park. It's just, you know, yeah, it's, it's really hard to convince anyone to be a ref. So if you don't have anyone from the bottom, how are you expecting the top to be any better? We're getting the, we're getting the dregs effectively at the very top, right? That's, that's what we get. So if our standard is poor, what we need is other things to fill in that gap. Um, and I think that technology has a place there. The way uh, we're talking about this, it might be an excuse, but the way that we're using it is, is poor because the people that are using it are poor. Um, I think if we had things, like, I don't know what you call it, but the, the sort of like the spider cam that, that is on top of pictures, like the, the bird's eye view stuff, I think that's important. I think goal line technology is important. I think the rules around VR need to be changed and they're important. I just think we'll, we'll eventually get to a point where, we, like, I mean, look, AFL, multiple umpires on the pitch. Maybe we need multiple refs, but the refs are just not going to be able to keep up with, with the athletes, the, the, the football players. So we need more support. Does that mean more refs with sashes? Maybe for the short term, but long term, I think it will eventually mean that the, that the refing standard gets better. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think VR has a place. I just think it's we're in that sort of transition period where it's absolutely shite just now and it's just going to get better eventually. So for me, I look at it and go, you go right back to when we were talking about this preseason and let's say they're going to bring VAR in after the World Cup originally, and we were talking about it then, and I'm saying VAR in general works. We've seen it over here in Australia. We've seen it in the J-League, World Cup. You see it in England. You see it all through Europe, all over the world. It has its few teething issues early days, and then it settles in and you get used to it. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be as quick and as settled down in Scotland as it is everywhere else, but the re- the referees have come in. They've even came in, and one of them, I can't remember who it was, said that I, I've had an hour of training in the in the VAR box. That's it. That was before it came out. So, with that situation, it was always going to be an absolute shit show. So for me, I don't I I don't want to judge the actual principle of VAR and how it is supposed to work on this season. But if it's still like this at the end of next season, then every single ref in Scotland needs sacked. Bring him in from elsewhere. Let him go on strike. I don't care. Because at the end of the day, it's the standard. It's what you allow becomes the standard. And when you're allowing absolute like incompetence, that's when it becomes this issue. And if we were to scrap it, then the refs would be like, yes, we got what we wanted. Because I actually said before this happened, that they're going to be really bad at it because they don't want the technology there because the honest mistakes will then be exposed. And now, 
not only are they being exposed, but they're being put on show for the world to see. It's not just water cooler talk in the office on the Monday or whatever, or the talk on the bus on the way back from the game or whatever. It's VAR comes into it. We can see it over here. We can see what VAR's doing. Going, what the hell are they doing? What's the interpretation? Like the one the other day where they went, okay, we're looking for an offside. I foul. Okay, that's fine. Now we're looking for an offside. Now we're looking back. And they looked for three different things popped up on the screen before they gave it. It looks like they're just trying to take goals away. Mm-hmm. When VAR is supposed to be looking for the clear and obvious error, not looking for a reason not to award goals. So we'll bring up some comments. Well, just can't just on that, Jared. I think um, some of the stuff that you brought up is important. I think one, this goes back to what Rogers was saying uh, when we need full time refs. I think that's the first. I actually think this VR discussion is. I think we're going to have it into a blue in the face. I think the first we need to sort the problems from the beginning, which is full time refs, full time training, not an hour in the VR VR box. I forgot what I was going to say. I just say something, there, John. You said we're going to talk about it till we're blue in the face. We're not allowed to be blue in the face on a self. Yeah, green. Yeah. Like, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. No, we're no. getting shot down. Yeah. <laughs> you got your thought no. back, John, or should I just? No, no, no. Just, just yeah, go, 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 go. Continue. It'll come back to me. Come yeah. Back. So Liam O'Connor in the comments is no. We just need better referees. Sean's comment is: if you can't plow a field, you don't scrap the plow. You either sharpen it up or get a better horse. Yep. Good analogy there. Andrew Galea, football doesn't need VAR, but tennis doesn't need Hawkeye either. But, you know, they need, <laughs> they call it. Um, Liam O'Connor again, out of the lodge and onto the field. <laughs> and then we've got here a, a more expensive version. Still couldn't explain the handball situations we've seen. No, but it make it a lot harder to deny them. Yeah, and then you've got another comment here from Michael Ross. Celtic pay the most money for funding of VAR. And John's got, got his got ideas. I've got it. I've got it. That was it. Was the expensive bit that reminded me um, the F- uh, FIFA Club World Cup with the VAR decisions? They're gonna m- much like what we were talking about ages and ages ago, where they did that in the A League. They're gonna actually mic the refs so that you can hear the conversations between the VAR ref and the ref that's seeing it on the screen. That's something that I think eventually could, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, even spotlight more some of the bias, if you like, um, or incompetence, however you feel your persuasion is. Um, but that that could really help inform the discussion around VAR and if it's useful or not. When we actually hear that discussion between the ref and the VAR ref, it's like, what are they looking for? Um, like, are they looking for just to disallow a goal? You know, those types of things, or are they actually sort of going through the rules? Maybe we, there's rules that we're just not aware of. That's why they're going through it, through it, through it. So that could be something that we could look at in the, in the Scottish League is actually not miking them the entire time, but just that conversation between VRF and yeah, hello brothers. Yeah, that's very. It'd be, be like the um, like the NFL where they've got that little switch on their microphone, so it comes yeah. through the tunnel and others don't, but. Anyway, yeah. we'll get a few more comments here. So, Angelo Tyro, conspiracy theorist Liam, I'm excited. Hey, it's only <laughs> hey. I used to be a conspiracy theorist until I realised everybody was actually out to get me. So. <laughs> Sean's commented, incompetence is a cover-up for bias because they looked exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Ross is, VAR proves certain refs in Scotland are biased beyond belief. 
And then I wouldn't say beyond people. belief because you know we've all seen it and we all believe it and we have done for decades. So, <laughs> as I said, get rid of get rid of the Sackham <laughs> professional Icelandic referees, and then Michael Ross. Refs need to declare what team they support. Yeah, see th- things like that. We need to start from the actual beginning. Full yeah, but time then ref, there's no, there wouldn't be anybody to ref. There wouldn't be anybody to referee Partick Thistle games then. <laughs> well, Motherwell games. Because they'll all just declare the support Partick Thistle <laughs> or Queen's Park or bloody Motherwell yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Hamilton Aki refs. Yeah. But they, we've got to start somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's a good start. Just start the bomb. All right. So we'll crack on to the next topic. We'll try and smash through a couple. Um, pitch quality in Scottish football. What needs to be done to improve it? Because at the moment, I know it's been a pretty heavy winter over there, but at the same time, the standard of the pitch is terrible. We've heard this from when Brendan Rogers came in and he spoke about we got it sorted out at, um, at Celtic Park. We got the new pitch there and so on. Is there anything we can do in Scottish football to do that? Because at the moment, you've got us playing football with the ball on the ground and every other team is playing direct long football and trying to play counter-attacking football because half the pitches are bog heaps and the rest are goat tracks. Is there anything we can do, John? Um, well, Liam will quite like this because I thought about this for a while. There's, I think there's two things. One's radical and one's not that radical. I think... Uh, I don't think it's the responsibility of bigger teams to subsidise the smaller teams for the state of their pitch. But I do think it's the responsibility of the government to subsidise Scottish teams for the state of their pitch. It, it is a revenue generator for us to have more people going to watch games. You're not going to watch St. Johnson when it's in the state of that pitch. Most of the, There was hardly any St. Johnson fans there. So to get more people in, we need to start doing things like advertising, making the standard of Scottish football as best as it can be. And that needs to be the pitch also. So I think that needs to be a government subsidised thing. Actually getting people in. And the other one is just move it to, move it to summer football. That's it. it you know, that, that really, that if you're not going to do the government stuff, then that's the only other way that you can, you can get it to work. Yeah, it's, the, it's the rain, isn't it? It's the rain and the lack of sun. That means that the pitch is shite. So summer football would be the way to solve it. So taking that, John, we've got a summer league down here in Australia, and the reason that they played the A-League over the summer was originally they the old NSL was played over winter, and that was and then they all had their own little stadiums. But then once they flipped it to like they flipped it and they wanted to change like go to the bigger stadiums and share stadiums and stuff like that. You got two rugby lots playing at Melbourne and all this, so they basically flipped it to summer so they get a free run of it. So. The problem we have with that is because it gets so hot over here and then we have the issue where you're playing games in 35 to 40 degree weather so they're going to have water breaks after 20 minutes and all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's the push, there's the give and the take with it. In Scotland, you're not going to have that same level of problem. So in Scotland, that could be a solution. The Scandinavian clubs do the same. The issue is if you do flip it, then you're out of whack with the European competitions like Champions League and everything. Yep. Mm. Yeah, so the government should be subsidising it. That would be my. That's the solution. Anything you want to add, Liam? Well, yeah, I I've said it before. I'll say it again. Go to the J League calendar. Start in March, finish in November. Now, yes, that means we're out of sync with Champions League and Europa League. However, it also means we're going into the qualifiers in July mid-season, so we're not going to get caught cold by teams like Michelin anymore, right? 
Uh, so it is a, it's a, it's a two-way street there. Um, at the end of the day, Japan has, although the summer here is ridiculously hot, the winter is very similar to Scotland. Um, you know, in terms of it's wet, it's windy, it's cold. I certainly would not want to go to a football match now, right? When the football starts up again in March, I'll be going to a few games. Um, you know, there's nothing better than sitting in a stadium on a warm evening in June or July, sipping a cold beer and watching the game. It's it's brilliant. And it's something that fans in Scotland don't get to experience enough of. And I think it would be healthier for the league. It would allow us to bring in more money because with the greatest of respect to these countries, Scotland could command more money in terms of... Uh, you know, viewership contracts, whatever, when we're not directly up against England. You know, in the summer, our biggest rivals would be the League of Ireland, the A-League and the J-League. And Scottish football, if marketed correctly, it be, would be a better product than any of them. If marketed correctly, which it has not been, I don't think in my lifetime it's ever been marketed correctly. So, yeah, switch to a summer calendar, get some people in charge that know how to sell the game properly to get us our value. And in turn, that will allow the smaller clubs to upgrade their pitches and their stadiums to an appropriate standard, do away with these horrible artificial surfaces. Um, that even in winter, although they're still playable, they go like concrete. So they're really not pleasant to play on, even though it's not going to get a game called off. Um, and really, that is just the way forward. But it's the same problem as it is with the referees, people, and it's a particular, it's a particularly Scottish thing. I don't know if it's because of like the kind of a, a history of Scotland being this kind of we free Presbyterian thing or whatever, but it's like, oh, it's always been that way, so we can't change it. You know, it's like that with, oh, the football always starts in August and always finishes in April or May. You know, um, the referees are always the same. You know, they're, they're not full time people. It's not a full time job. It's like balls to that right let's just rip the whole thing out and change it up um we need to get the leagues in tune with the sort of leagues we should be competing with which is the j league the a league and league of ireland right because those are leagues that scotland can compete with in terms of bringing on viewers and bringing building support we cannot compete with England and we need to stop comparing ourselves to England. That is a it's an oligarchs and a billionaires plaything, right? It's not it's not a football league anymore. Man City this week proved that. So we should mm. stop trying to compete with that because we simply can't under the current rules. Alright, so unless we've got any last bits on that to add in, I think we've summed it up well and a lot of people agreed in the com comments there with what you were saying, Liam. We'll, uh, we'll leave that there. Just Vanessa has one last comment here, which sums it up. St. Johnson players doing rocks at paper scissors sums up Scottish football, unfortunately. That shows the, the level that it's at. I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was funny. But, <laughs> okay, so we'll quickly touch on a topic that we've got here, which was going to be a long one, but we'll, um, we won't bother. But we'll just get a quick one. So apparently Ange is linked with Leeds United. Absolute load of crap. That's my take on it. 
Um, I've got a few other things off the back of that, but does anyone see Ange leaving to go to a uh, battle down to go to, go, to, go down to Yorkshire and play and manage Leeds? Anyone could see that happening? Nope. Oh, no. Do you know, nope. No, but after Rogers leaving, I don't know if I believe anything anymore. I, I wouldn't rule anything out. So the, only, the only thing for me is it wouldn't happen now. I don't think he's – you can see he's just getting his squad together. It's starting to get there. He's had one season in Europe. Now he's going to want to – like in the Champions League, he's going to want to test himself again with what he's built to see to prove what he's learned from this lot in the Champions League going into next year's Champions League. That's it, the way I see him. Leeds United yep. is a big club down in Australia. It's a big thing, so that would, would be a good move for him. But at the same time, I don't see it happening right now. No, I, yep. I don't. I don't see it happening right now either. I was just going to say, sorry, John. I just want to cut in real quick. Um, the, the, I thought about this today, and I, I just don't see it happening at all. Even even in the summer, if it came up, I just don't see it because Andrew's Andrew's kind of a, a project manager. He likes to get involved and and get behind a team and set out how he wants to play and keep progressing. And I don't, and I don't think he's achieved anywhere near what he wants to at Celtic. You can tell by the way he talks about um, our champions league campaigns and so forth. But I also want to stress too, when I was thinking about this today, this is still, um, you know, I think he did managing Greece for a little bit, uh, but effectively, this is Ange's first job back in Europe, at least for a very long time. He's still learning. He's still picking things up. He's still getting used to tricks of the trade. He's always learning, and so I don't think he's going to make a move that A, is going to jeopardise the project he has at Celtic, but also B, might jeopardise the kind of football that he can play. Because if he goes to a relegation dogfight now and he's trying to implement Ange ball, they don't want that. They want someone who's going to keep them up, and that's not yeah. his style. Yep, exactly. Yep. Not, not the move for him. Now, the second part of this, which I'll leave and we'll discuss next week, was did we dodge a bullet when we appointed Ange? And what I mean by that, I'll quickly rack, rattle off a few names. We can get into it later if we need to. But before Ange was appointed, we had the Eddie Howe situation. He's doing well at Newcastle. I'll give credit where it's due. But other than him, other names that were linked, Jesse Marsh has been sacked twice now. Jack Ross, sacked twice. Callum Davison, he was linked to us. It's in Johnson. Roy Keane. God. John Kennedy. Yeah, enough there. Steve Clark. So, yeah, well, realistically. Maybe, maybe one day. So, realistically. Those were the names that were linked to us. I've got more details there, but I'll just leave it there. We won't even come back to that. But for me, I think we've got the best of a, of, of that bunch that were all linked with us at the time. Eddie Howe, yeah, he was the guy everyone wanted in, but no one misses him because everyone's in love with Ange and what he's brought to the club. He's given us our club back and the Celtic way, our identity, the way we play. But someone born in Greece, raised here in Melbourne, Gone, work his way through the A League, World Cups, by Japan, all the way over there to get this opportunity. I can't see him giving up, giving that up that quickly, because he's a football romantist. Basically, he loves, as Shane said, he likes to build his story. I can't see him just being like jumping at the first chance. So yeah, it's um, it's a good spot. 
maybe in 12 months' time, the end of next season, he could move on. But we've got him this year, next year, in my opinion. I, I believe nothing, to be honest, after the Rogers stuff and Tierney. It's Brett Mart. Uh, Ange, if he if he goes in the future, it will be to a much bigger team than Leeds. Um, Leeds are in the same boat as Chelsea, uh, teams like that. Uh, small clubs whose scope was artificially inflated for a time by an excess of money, and now that, that money has run dry, they are heading back down to where they belong, um, which is not. In the top flight. How much money and, did Chelsea uh, just buy? Just spend? Small, small, small club though. No, small small, club. no I, I, look, this is the thing, right? They're, they're, they're a small club with a big budget. Chelsea are a small club. I don't, I don't, no one will convince me otherwise. <laughs> there it is. How many, how many fans did they get before they started buying all the trophies? You know, their average gate was what, about 30,000? Do you know, I absolutely hate Chelsea. I don't know why I'm defending them. So, yeah, tiny. Tiny, I got my first ever Celtic shirt as a teenager from one of my friends who I grew up with. His dad, massive Chelsea fan. He's a Chelsea fan. They went over and he bought himself a top and he saw a Celtic once and brought it back for me. So, there are some good Chelsea fans, the original Chelsea fans, but then... There's still a bunch of absolute knobs there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the um. <laughs> Sorry, laughing at the comments. Angelo's yeah, comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring it up on screen, Angelo, just because we have to. <laughs> Chelsea Sandwich oh. with a big package. <laughs> hey, swinging dick time. There it is. What was it? What was it? Spider Man said, "It's my gift. It's my curse." You know. <laughs> Anyway, um, we'll quickly just rattle on to the next topic. So Itaguchi, loan to Fukuoka for the next 12 months. Is that the end of his time at Celtic? Yes, for me. I don't think we'll see him back. What do you reckon, Liam? Yeah, it's unlikely, but you never know. Um, The good thing is about Fukuoka, they're a team where he will play every week because they are a mid-table team. They're not not one of the the heavyweights of Japanese football, but they're a decent enough side. He'll get good game time. Pretty safe that they won't get relegated, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a good platform for him to rebuild his career. Whether or not it's good enough to get him back to Celtic, I don't know. But the fact that it's only a loan deal means that if he does have an amazing season next season, um, there could be a road back. What I think is more likely is he'll play well enough at Fukuoka that they'll make the deal permanent, and that'll be him settled back into being a, a good a good J League level player for the rest of his career and I wish that's him well in it. That's why I think he was done because I'm thinking worst case scenario is going to he'll go over there, he'll play well and then we've still got him in the contract so we get a fee for him. That's the way I'm yeah. looking at it. I don't think he's going to come and break into our midfield. Any other thoughts on that, John or Shane? Nah, I mean, look, I, I think I said he was done when Abelgaard came in even though Abelgaard didn't, you know, amount to much but uh, uh, yeah, I thought it was done a while ago, but just don't see what everybody else saw. Um, I think. Yep, no, I don't see any different to um, to what Liam said. All right, so next topic we've got is Man City's situation and how does that compare to the EBT years? This could be a whole nother hour. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Could, so yeah. 
I think we'll sit on that one and we'll come back to that maybe next week because there's only one game to review next week, which is the game against St. Mirren in the Scottish Cup on the weekend. So we'll hold that topic off. Yes, I know that it's newsworthy now, but it will give us more time to see how it plays out over the next week. And then we'll talk about that situation more and comparing it to what happened when Rangers died. So, Wait till next week when I've got a carry-out and then we can do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> into the cup with a bottle of Bucky or something like that. Aye. And he'll just like <laughs> lose it. So get ready. Uh. <laughs> All right. So Celtic versus St. Mirren, Scottish Cup, Saturday over there, Sunday morning our time. For me, expected lineup will be, I'm expecting it to be what we played against St. Johnson. So Harding goals, Johnson... Uh, Starfelt, Cardavickers, Taylor across the back, McGregor, Hatate and Moy in the middle, and then up front it'll be Jota, Maeda and Kyogo. However, O will come on and score. I'm going to keep saying it every week, week until it happens now. <laughs> Anyone got any different ideas for the starting lineup? Uh, I probably see he's shown a couple of... Um... We've shown a little bit in the past few games he's come on as a sub. I can see Haxabanovich getting a start against St. Mirren, uh, probably in place of Maeda. Maeda getting more of a well-earned rest as opposed to being dropped on any poor form or anything like that, of course. And uh, maybe a barter in uh, on the right instead of Jota. Um, but apart from that, um, I'm not sure Turnbull gets a start just yet. I think Hatate uh, and Moy still make up the midfield trio along with McGregor. Johnny? Oh, look, yeah, I, I had similar thoughts about us starting, Haxbanovich starting, or, or, you know, similar thoughts. Um, the only one I, I kind of feel like might happen is um, O'Reilly instead of Hatate. I think the commentator said on the Johnson game that O'Reilly was had the highest assists in yep, the league does. at the moment. Yeah, that's true. Christ mighty. You know, for someone who's, who's currently coming off the bench and still keeping that up, I think that's, you know, he, he deserves... Close to 90 minutes. So I've got a funny maybe. one for you, though, John. You just think of that, you go, oh, I don't think he's been in that great of form. Yet he's leading mm. the league in assists. And then you look at Turnbull and you go, oh, he hasn't been in that great form, but he's scored like four in his last six games or three in his last five games or whatever it is. So there's yeah. players, they're starting, they do stuff, they come off the bench, they're doing stuff. It's the squad game that we talk about. It's good to see. Yep. Absolutely. That's kind of exactly what you want. And that's what we've been screaming for for a while, especially as, oh, really, we started this, the, the pod, but. Um, so at every position we've been talking about. Every position. For the last three years, John. Yeah, that's exactly it. We want a good player for every position and then a, and then a good back and then the good num- other one. Uh, and we're getting... pushing them to take their spot. That's, that's what it. we're saying with Taylor. Like, yeah, people are saying Bernabe's not doing well, but I think he's being pushed on because. But Taylor's being pushed on because Bernabe is behind him now. He knows, okay, I've got a challenge. I see more in Barnabé than I do um, Laxalt. I see more in him than I did with Bonjoli. Do you know, with Kenny, uh, there's, there's, that boy is going to be good, whether it's with us, I don't know, but he's good. He's got, he's got talent. But yeah, anyway, I definitely uh, think that O'Reilly could be the difference in the midfield. Yep. Fair enough. I'm thinking it's not a it's not Hamden either. It's the Scottish Cup, so it'll be at our place, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good. There you go. Yeah, get a barter in. There you go. Yeah. All, right. All right. Score predictions. Um, 
Go with what you were going to say, Liam, and then chuck your score prediction at the end. Sorry, I was just going to say that Abada looked a wee bit off the pace at the weekend. Just his touch was a bit slack. So I think for the sake of him getting some game time, maybe a good idea to start him um, at the weekend and possibly uh, maybe at the expense of Jota, who had some brilliant touches at the weekend but did fade a wee bit as the game went on to maybe do a wee rest. Uh, and for score, 4-0 Celtic. Who's scoring your goals? Uh, Kyogo will get two, as he always does. Then he'll get substituted before he can get his hat-trick. And O will get one. And Callum McGregor will get one. Oof. There we go. Shane, what are you thinking? Score prediction? Uh, 5-0, Moy hat-trick, Kyogo brace. <laughs> Johnny? Jesus. 10 nil. Like that. I'm going to say 3 nil to be different. I think Kyogo is going to get one. I think Abada will get one. Um, and I'll, I definitely think one's coming from midfield. Probably another Moy goal, to be fair. Yeah. Maybe O'Reilly, but probably Moy. All right. So I'm going to answer Angelo Tyro's question. What's John Joe Kenny doing nowadays? Playing in Germany. Is the answer yeah. to that? Um, for me, yeah, I'm thinking we're going to win 4-1. And the goal scorers for us will be O's going to have one, Kyogo will have one, McGregor will score one, Carter Vickers with a header. And for St. Mirren, if Keanu Bacchus is fit, and plays, it'll be him. If not, it'll be Ryan Strain, the other Aussie that they've got. <laughs> there you go, the Aussie Aussie guy there. Going to have the connection. Always. Have to, have to. All right. So what we'll do before our final thoughts, I'm going to bring up some last little comments that I've pinned to the side here. So oh, there's a question for us. Just wondering what everyone take on GG having his goodbye swipes on the way out. Good riddance, piss off. That's my take. I tried to look this up. What what was that on? What was fill me in? Ange made Instagram. his comments about he'll find out about that he's moving on Instagram, and sure enough, he's made his little comments on Instagram. So as I've always said, the way we are in Aussie sport with the no dickheads policy, Ange yeah. isn't going to take that. So uh, jog on, so, see you later. So he said something on Instagram. Yeah, he's he mouthed off as per usual. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, well, that's him done. The thing is, you'll need to be careful if the contract with his new team hasn't been signed yet because if you, you know, if you seem to be a troublemaker, that can cause clubs to pull the plug on deals. Mm. Oh, I, I don't think he's playing for Celtic if that happens. Like, you know. No, was, he's not. That's the thing. Yeah. He's burnt his bridge at both ends then, you know? Yeah. Mm. I know the Japanese guys who are linked with him wouldn't have him because, you know, how the culture is in Japan, Liam. It's all about respect. Yeah. So that's a massive no-no for him. So he's pretty much, if he's going to be like that, he's cutting his nose off to spite his face. He's only option. Oh, Irala are the huns of the J League. If there's one team that would take him, it's him. Ah, oh, fair enough. Uh, anyhow. Yeah, so that's what that is. Uh, Paul Birrell. Hail, hail to all of us. Right back at you, Paul. Thanks for tuning in again. It's been a while since we've seen you in the comments. So thanks for coming back around. Dennis. Great show. Thanks for tuning in, mate. Um, no, you're going through a tough trot. So, um, yeah, hearing my thoughts and prayers and everything, mate. So, um, yeah, keep your, keep your spirits up. And now we'll go to our final thoughts. So, Shane, what's your final thought? 
I'm going to be selfish and do two quick ones, if that's okay. So, uh, not. <laughs> uh, credit to the A-League uh, and those behind the A-League. They announced uh, today that there will be a pride round uh, to help celebrate uh, the LGBT, LGBTIQ plus community. And that's coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Melbourne Victory and Adelaide United are playing a... a um, very heavily involved they'll be playing for the pride cup and i think it's a wonderful initiative i've been pretty critical of the league and uh, those who run it recently for a number of different things but they've got this one spot on and they've been working behind the scenes for for a while with the clubs to make this happen so credit where it's due it's a great initiative and i look forward to it being a, a great success um, and uh, just very quickly, uh, everyone knows or who's probably listened in before knows I'm pretty keen into basketball here as well. Um, same as yourself, Jared. The, uh, the South East Melbourne Phoenix, they made it into the play-in tournament. So they're up against the uh, uh, ever-present Perth Wildcats in the uh, postseason. Uh, so here's hoping we can get the win tomorrow night and uh, continue on. Before we jump on to the other ones here, I'm going to go... Angelo's comment quickly. Wonder what Stefan Skipkovich is up to. Oh, that's right. He's at Brisbane Raw now. He's just signed down here. Now, Liam, Liam, before your final thought, there's this question for you from Michael Ross. (laughs) Will Liam burn that Stallone top live on Axon for a (laughs) Dean himself? Seen as I paid 65 quid for it. No. (laughs) (laughs) What's your final thought, Liam? My final thought, don't judge a book by its cover or a guy by the colour of the shirt that he wears. <laughs> Johnny? Um, all right. Well, I don't know if... Uh, so I'm always doing my, I always do my music one now. So uh, I don't know if I ever brought this band up before, but I, I, I'm sure I, I must have. But um, just in case I haven't, one of my favourite new bands... Uh, like Honestly, they're, they're, they're going to be one of the greatest legends of the rock, of the rock world. Greta Van Fleet, if you haven't listened to them, you've got to listen to them. I've seen a lot of people on the internet recently that have been saying, ah, oh, how have I never heard this song? Song came out like two, three years ago. Honestly, great band. They got criticized a lot, which is pretty strange, but they got criticized a lot because their first album sounded like Led Zeppelin. How is that a criticism? Why is that a problem? But anyway, they admitted that they were heavily influenced by Led Zeppelin. If you like that sort of music, if you like that band especially, Second album's very much their own vibe, their own feel. Give them a listen. Love them. Always on replay at the moment. Greta Van Fleet. And my final thought is, just want to give a shout out to Colin, who he knows who he is. I was talking to him yesterday through, I was talking to him and uh, yeah, he recognized the voice and said, you're on Celtic Down Under, aren't you? So um, thanks for tuning in, buddy. We appreciate it. All right, everyone, thanks again for tuning in. If you haven't done so, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and to the Solid Down Under podcast via your podcast app. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you next week when there's some expansion plans on the cards from the Solid Down Under podcast. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. hail.